0: Welcome to the weekly wrap podcast by the National Farmers Federation. Here's this week's update. And for our uh, final uh, speaker this afternoon, fresh from divisions in the Parliament, I've been watching the green lights buzzing up there. We don't get the bells in here, uh, so you'll have to keep an eye on the lights. This is David Little Proud who was elected to the House of Representatives for Maranoa, Queensland in 2016, the leader of the Federal Nationals Party and the shadow agriculture minister. Over the past 20 years, he's owned a small business in Warwick and forged a career in agribusiness. Mr Littleproud highlights the importance of economic development as a means of building a prosperous future for younger generations uh, and also developing the capacity of health, education, agriculture, telecommunications and the small business sectors. Please make him welcome.
1: Well, thank you, and it's great to be here. And can I acknowledge the President, uh, Fiona Simpson, and to all of you, uh, thank you. On behalf of a grateful nation, we say thanks for all that you've endured and all that you've achieved. And to put it into perspective, what you've endured, fires, floods, droughts, cyclones, this little thing called COVID-19, well, it was you. It was you that paid the bills. It was Australian agriculture and it was regional Australia that paid the bills for the last two years. It kept this nation going. While many other industries were put under the doona, You kept on producing, and producing at record levels. And I'm proud to say that our legacy as a government will hopefully continue on with the new government. This shouldn't be, agriculture shouldn't be partisan. The opportunity to get to become the Australian agriculture Minister is to leave a legacy. To leave a legacy that will endure beyond governments and beyond parliaments. And that's why I'm proud to say that we supported the NFF's ambitious goal of their $100 billion uh, by 2030. We wanted to make sure we backed that, not just with policy, but with cold hard cash. And we took together an Ag 2030 plan that went to the key elements, the key drivers that were going to drive agriculture and drive regional rural Australia. Particularly when you look at the challenges we faced in trade. We invested record amounts, over $300 million in modernising our trading platforms, putting more agricultural councillors on the ground in over 22 embassies and high commissions around the world. Having that government to government connection to get market access commodity by commodity. But making sure that you, the producer, had the opportunity to send your product around the world. Embarrassingly, the Department of Agriculture in our export division was still using carbon paper up until about a year ago. But bringing us to the 21st century with an IT system that goes beyond the exporter but goes to the farm gate that is giving producers the opportunity to have their own profile. Their own profile about what they produce, how they produce it, and how that would connect to international markets around the world. That's a smart way of doing things. That was a key investment in understanding that you paid the bills, but you needed the tools to be able to do it. So, proudly, that investment. That investment will continue on, and the department is moving as quickly as they can to ensure that we don't even have, just not have boots on the ground, but we're giving you the technology to be able to take advantage of those markets. 15 free trade agreements that we put in place. Now around the world, and in fact proud to say now, the UK and India will come into effect hopefully uh, in the coming, coming couple of months. Working through the challenges with the EU, but understanding we've given you the opportunities to diversify. And we learnt that lesson the hard way. We learnt that with China and the coercive actions that they took on many of our producers. And I'm going to single out particularly the wine industry for their courage of standing up to a bully with with our government and saying we will not yield. That we will protect the values and principles of this nation, our freedoms, our democracy, and we won't have someone tell us how to do things in this country. There's been over 100,000 Australians that have lost their lives protecting those values and principles. We weren't going to take a backward step and nor did the wine industry despite losing $1.2 billion overnight. And I'm glad to say that last week the Chinese ambassador reached out to me and we had a very constructive, candid conversation. And I've always said that dialogue is the best way to resolve any difference. But we've now moved to a situation as I said to the ambassador is that the best way to resolve this is not just through dialogue, but for us, culturally, as Australians, to build on that foundation of dialogue is to see intent, intent of actions. And we're going to come up in the next month to a milestone in our relationship with China, 50 years. It'll be a unique opportunity for those actions that were taken against Australian agriculture to be removed. Uh, And the Chinese ambassador, I've got to say, handled himself impeccably and took on all the, of the points that I gave him in a respectful way. And I'm hopeful that that continued dialogue will, will give fruition into the future, but it has to have actions. Uh, We've also made big investments through our Ag 2030 plan around biosecurity. Over a billion dollars of extra money was put into biosecurity and export controls. This is about making sure we protect brand Australia. And I'm pretty confident that in the future that our ports and airports people movement is going to be protected. We're embracing new technology. 3D x-ray scanners we put into every Australian Post facility now. Every one of the 144 million parcels that go through Australia Post go through a 3D x-ray scanner that uses artificial intelligence designed here in Australia that picks up organic matter, that picks up plant matter. And we started a trial with New Zealand uh, where your bags will go through one of those scanners at the airport and as we move to digital declaration cards, we'll know what's in your bag before you land. And if your declaration doesn't match up to the bag and the scan in the bag, we're coming for you. We're gonna be ready for you. I'm proud to say one of the best things I did was lift the penalties of those that wanted to try and flout our biosecurity laws. Even during COVID, we sent 15 people home. If they wanted to flout it and the foreign nationals They'll pay an increased penalty, which we took up from $444 to $2,664 on the spot and they go back on the plane they came on. They're not welcome back for three years. That's the strong messages we want to send and we extended it to also international students. I'm glad to say to them, we don't care that you might have to do your degree online because Australia's biosecurity and in Australia's environment is far more important than the selfish actions of mum packing a bit of meat in your bag that could decimate the Australian agricultural sector. Those are the strong actions we took. We've got work to do on our ports. We're going to go from around five to eight and a half million containers by the end of the decade. And unfortunately, the 3D x-ray scanners don't work with metal containers. But we put out a science challenge. And the exciting thing is that the chief scientific officer believes that we can use air samples through the vents of these containers to be able to pick up minuscule particles of air vapour, of insects, of organic matter that would allow us the information to act quickly. But we spent $15 million and now being able to track containers back four years. So we know that a container that might have been sitting in a paddock in Sudan three and a half years ago, but in fact Kona came here from Italy, which was a low risk country, which we would normally would have just passed and waved through. But because we have the knowledge of knowing that that container was sitting in a paddock somewhere that is high risk, then we deploy the resources to make sure that we have a damn good look inside it. That's common sense. We're working with the big companies to streamline their ordering process. The Department of Agriculture is actually intertwined in the ordering process of big companies like Bunnings and Ikea, so they know six months in advance what's coming into this country. And that's going to give us extra capacity and capability. Those were the billion dollars' worth of investment of your taxpayer's dollar in supporting you. But one of the best legacies and biggest legacies I believe I left as Australian Agriculture Minister, one in which I'm most proud of, and one that I'm proud to say this new government has adopted, is the Biodiversity Stewardship Programme. This is about rewarding farmers for the stewardship of their land. See, I came up with this idea because I'm a Queenslander. And when we signed up to Kyoto, farming rights, property rights were stripped away from Australian farmers. Federal government gave the states $350 million to compensate farmers for the loss of management of their land. Now no one's saying we should continue on with large-scale land clearing. But if you take a property right away in this country, you should be compensated for it. If you owned a house here in Canberra and you rented out the three bedrooms, The government walked in and said, sorry, you're emitting too much. You can only rent out two. You've just had your income capacity taken away and your capital value reduced. So we were the whipping boys for us to meet an international commitment. An international commitment, we have to. An international commitment are also around Paris and net zero. We have to sign up to. That's our licence to trade internationally. But we should be part of the solution. We shouldn't be held to ransom and we shouldn't foot the bill. When farmers who steward 50% of this land, should be given the opportunity to be rewarded for it financially. A world first, where we are the first country in the world that can measure an improvement in biodiversity. The the carbon farming models of the past are so 1990s. It's just a blunt instrument about abating carbon. This is about rewarding farmers for improving their biodiversity and paying them a halo credit but significantly also making sure that when they send their product around the world, they'll be able to put a biodiversity seal on it that'll get them a premium. A premium so much so that US administration is looking to take this and adopt this technology, this science up. So we're for the first time creating the international trading rules, not just living by them. We should be proud of that as Australians. I'm proud of it. It's now time for corporate Australia to step up and stop buying acres of the Amazon that they can't validate but start to reward Australian farmers financially. We should be loud and proud about that. We also made record investments in infrastructure. We've got to give you the tools, the tools to be able to continue to produce. $8 billion for dams. Most of that was in Northern Australia. Northern Australia should have the capacity to responsibly, environmentally, look to develop their water infrastructure. Southern basins have been able to do that. Why are Northern Australians held out? That's where the significant growth in Australian agriculture will come. There'll be incremental growth in our more mature production systems. But in northern Australia, the opportunity is there. And the courage and conviction of our state governments, unfortunately, have let us down. It's illegal for a federal government or a federal politician to pick a shovel up and dig a hole for a dam in this country. States were granted that responsibility, that ownership of resource. We were going to cut the check. They just had to burn some diesel and dig the hole. And it's not just about growing agriculture, it's about flood mitigation. You only have to look at what's going on in New South Wales at the moment to see that that's just common sense to give you the tools you need, but the tools also in roads and rail to make sure we get your product from a paddock to a plate or on, into a port as quickly as we can. Making sure that we reduce those bottlenecks, increase the capacity of getting product the efficiency into world markets to give you the competitive advantage you deserve. We also proudly, as part of one of the other major pillars, was around giving you the ag visa. It was one of the the biggest negotiating periods of my life when the Liberals had signed up to, wanted to sign up to UK free trade agreement. It was great. It wasn't coming when we are giving away 12,000 backpackers from England without an Australian ag visa that looked to go into Southeast Asia. It's a retrograde step to walk away from that because this was not just about having transient workforce in agriculture. This was the biggest structural change to Australian agricultural workforce in our nation's history. This was about bringing the next generation of migrants to regional rural Australia and give them the greatest gift any country, we can give to any person in any other country in the world which is a pathway to Australian citizenship. That's the greatest gift we can offer. And that was about giving them the opp- opportunity to come and live in regional and rural Australia, to stay there, and to be part of Australian agriculture. NFF if, have if identified 172,000 workers required between to get product from a paddock to your to, to a plate. The Pacific scheme, at best, will get you 42,000 workers, and you've got to compete with aged care, child care, health healthcare, and everything else in between. Now, I'm not a mathematician. I don't think I need a calculator workout. We're a long way short. And this is a constraint on Australian agriculture that we need a solution to now and a long term into training. And when you talk about training, one of the best investments that we made as a government was about reform to our research development corporations. Incorporating the $1.1 billion worth of levy-payers' dollars and Australian taxpayers' dollars into regional universities so, not only did it build capacity and scale in regional universities, it gave our kids the opportunity to go to university and study an agricultural course and know they're going to have a career in agriculture and in regional Australia. And making sure we got back to the values and principles of value to the levy payer, value to the taxpayer, removing the duplication, and above all, commercialisation. We were bone lazy in commercialising our research and development. In fact, We have the same number of researchers as the United States and Netherlands who are four and six in the world and we're ranked number 23. And so this is about making sure that our ecosystems around research and development is one that's fit for the future and fit for a modern Australian agriculture. Those are the proud reforms that we've put in place and I hope that this new government continues on with them. And they have not with some, I respect it, they have other priorities but it's important It's important for the the next generation because we are the custodians of this great industry and the legacy that we leave will be the one that defines their future. That's the opportunity that lays before us. That's the opportunity that this government now gets to have. That's the opportunity that I'll continue to work constructively with this government because this should be above politics. That's why I took the constructive decision to, to go to the job summit to make sure that regional and rural Australians' voices are heard. Well beyond agriculture, but into those other other issues that really drive employment in regional and rural Australia, whether it be childcare in particular, in making sure it's not just about affordability, it's accessibility to give you the workforce you need. But we've got a bright future. We should be proud of what we've achieved. There's too much self-loathing that goes on in this country that we haven't done enough. We have. We've lived up to all our international commitments. In fact, we've beaten most of them. We should have our chest out and our chin up that we're Australians because we do it better than anyone else. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks very much, David Littleproud, Nationals Leader and Shadow Agriculture Minister. The point you made at the start about bipartisanship, I saw lots of nods in the crowd from that. I think that's a point that's been very well. Thank you for listening to this weekly wrap-up from the National Farmers' Federation. For more information about the NFF, visit nff.org.au. Otherwise, stay tuned until next week for the next instalment.